Hi, I'm Matt Pacilli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. This week, we're sharing a conversation I had over the summer with Abby Liebenthal. Abby's full-time job is the Senior Manager of U.S. Open Fan Engagement for the USGA, a position she's been in for almost two years. But she's been in the golf industry her entire career, including time at Akushnet and the Tiger Woods Foundation. But her side hustle is what we're really talking about in this conversation, and that's the nonprofit she founded almost three years ago called For the Ladies. For the Ladies is a female-based community with the intent to introduce more women to the game and bring women together to play, watch, and participate in everything that golf has to offer. She also has a podcast called For the Ladies that you can find wherever you get your podcasts. And for our listeners that have been with the VSGA for a while, you'll appreciate that her fiance is former VSGA intern Brendan Arnsbrack. Okay, here's my conversation with Abby Liebenthal. Welcome, and thank you for joining us on the VSGA's Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. For those who don't know you, how do you introduce yourself? Who are you and what do you do? Oh, gosh. Um, I introduce myself as, oh, my gosh, I guess a golf advocate um, Mm -hmm. because I work in golf, but I also have a passion project that is very golf focused. Um, So I think that's how I would describe myself as a passionate golf advocate. Um, But yeah. That. No one's ever asked me that. No one's ever asked me to like <laughs> s- to like simply say, but I think that's yeah. what I would say. Passionate golf advocate and stop. <laughs> well, I think passionate golf adv- advocate from anyone who has the opportunity to experience the content that you produce or the work that you do. I think that's an um, adequate or great way to describe you. Let's talk about your full-time job for just a minute, but your passion project is what is really of great interest, but we should not overlook your full-time job. Yes, yes. So my full-time job is at the United States Golf Association. Um, I am senior manager of U.S. Open Fan Experiences, um, and I get the opportunity to work on the U.S. Open and the Women's Open, but I officially oversee the U.S. Open Victory Club, which is the fan club of the U.S. Open and the U.S. Women's Open. And that, I feel like, has been kind of a culmination of just my entire experience at golf um, brought Mm -hmm. into one role, which is pretty cool. Um, You know, I think people say, like, you learn something from every experience um, in your career. And for me, I, I truly feel like every next step I took in the golf industry has kind of led me to this current role. And I'm sure I will continue to learn a lot from it and and continue to evolve. That's great. That's such a, yeah, I've, I was going back through some of your resume to see, and you've, you've spent, you know, your lifetime, your career has been, in golf. Yeah. Um, and you're not, you're not that old and <laughs> Thank you. you have a lot more ahead of you that I think a lot of people should be really excited about for the, um, the mark that Abby Liebenthal will leave on golf across the country. Um, in, in many ways, you went to the USGA right before you, you went to the VSGA right as I came, you went to the USGA, excuse me, right as I came to the VSGA. 
Okay. Um, we had emailed once or twice when you were with right. your prior employer, your pre- previous employer. So anyway, you go to the USGA and you are, you know, I don't know what the actual job description or job title was at the time that you went there in like February of 2020, yeah. but then COVID happens and you're like fan engagement, all of this stuff. How did you, how did you navigate your way through that? Yeah, it was it was a crazy time. Um, you know, I started in February of 2020, and we were working from home by mid March, so only a few weeks in the office, um, and quickly realized, you know, we're, we are going to have to pivot from in person fan experiences to virtual fan experiences. And uh, the Victory Club didn't exist before I came on, so that was obviously a really big launching pad for my career at the USGA, um, and and that was kind of it almost became a need for us um, to to create this experience for people to be able to keep in touch with the U.S. Open and participate in virtual fan experiences coming through the Victory Club. So um, it was obviously like really interesting timing when somebody's new to an organization, they expect to come in and observe, learn from their, Mm -hmm. their team members and then kind of figure out how they're going to make their mark. Um, Whereas like I came in, no one really knew what was going on, of course, across the globe. And then on top of that, it was, okay, it looks like we we need to be developing this maybe sooner than we thought. So it was like, it was an exciting time um, to be new at the organization because I was creating something new. Um, but yeah, I mean, my first U S open did not have fan experiences, but it was still, it was still a great experience. And, uh, we did a lot of virtual activities. Like we put people on the first tee through a video board and we did, um, a Q and a experiences with players and fans and the fans obviously are at home through, um, a Cisco WebEx experience. So for me, and it was something we always were saying is like, you know, what can we learn from this? What are things that we would keep and continue doing in the future because they continued, um, because they worked well and you, you know, a lot of your fans are going to be paying attention from home rather than at a championship with you. So um, I think it was just a really good learning experience and uh, we'll continue to, you know, have effects on, on things we do in the future. Yeah. By the nature of COVID and the, the gathering sizes that we've been able to have, you know, your, your job and what you do for the fan experience for the first, at least three years is not going to be the same year to right. year. And yeah. you're going to have really neat opportunities to ramp that up, to make it really exciting. Talk about a little bit, uh, what you could share that we can look forward to in the future or what's coming with the USGA's relationship with Pinehurst, something, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I can I can really only speak to, you know, the Victory Club and what I work on. But with the Victory Club, you know, it's free to join. And we hope for it to be a place where you have like year long engagement with the U.S. Open and the U.S. Women's Open. Mm-hmm. So whether that's content um, that is promotions to early access to tickets um, experiences. Um, we launched a victory experience at Pinehurst, um, which will be this spring. And so, yeah, I think, um, now that we've created this fan club, the only thing we can do is, you know, create more value for the customer value for the fans. So I'm excited to, to just continue to do that, to continue to create more value for our customers and our fans at the U S open and the women's open. 
That's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about your passion project or your side hustle for the ladies. <laughs> um, I don't want to try to define for our listener what for the ladies is because I'm afraid I might limit it in a way that it should not be limited because it's been amazing to see what you have done with it, especially over the last year and a half, because I think at the beginning, correct me if I'm wrong, was had been focused on in-person types of engagements, bringing women, women to golf. But how did you start for the ladies? What was on your heart that said, I need to I need to do this or I want to do this. How, what were the, what's the origin story of that? Yeah. Well, as you saw, um, I have worked in golf ever since school. So I had learned, you know, just along the way, like the landscape of the industry and, um, how people were coming into the game. And I noticed that there are so many great junior golf programs, whether it's LPGA, USGA girls, golf, first tee youth on course. Um, there's so many things out there for kids to learn how to play and, and across different price points as well. Um, and then as an adult for women specifically, there's, you know, there's great like executive leadership days. There are, if you, you know, are able to afford a membership to a country club, you could certainly learn how to play at a country club, take private lessons. But for women who maybe are in school, just graduated or are in middle management roles, there isn't, there isn't like a roadmap for you to learn how to play golf. Um, and, and not the, I mean, I'm not saying that there should be, but I, I was finding that I don't even have like step one to get my friends into this, into the game. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to host a clinic. We'll just see what happens. And I just created this two hour clinic where women could rotate through different stations, learn the fundamentals of the game Um participate in like closest to the pin, longest drive, but like really just get a golf club in their hand and hit a golf ball and like see how that goes. Um, I also reached out to local apparel companies like the local Lululemon, Lily Pulitzer, et cetera, to come and show their golf apparel. And Mm -hmm. then we just like had music, people brought drinks, people brought food. It was at an indoor golf facility, Newport Indoor Golf. And 70 women showed up and I, I was expecting it to be like me and like 10 friends or me and like 15 friends, but then Uh people just kept registering. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have a lot of people here today. So, um, from there, I just kind of realized like, if you create the opportunity, women are clearly intrigued by golf. So like, why don't I just do this again? And so those first few clinics were just in locations where I wanted to, visit friends, frankly. Like Mm -hmm. I went to Jacksonville because I had friends at the tour. I went to Chicago because I had college friends there. I went to LA because I had a connection. Like at the beginning, it was all about just going to the locations of people I knew and, um, and then COVID hit. And so I canceled a few events and realized I was not going to be hosting them for a long time. Um, but I was still so passionate about this concept. And so develop, it was just like a brand building exercise at that point. Um, I was like, how can I grow for the ladies? And I had a really good girlfriend say, hey, you should do a newsletter. I had another guy friend who was saying, hey, like I noticed you interview all these women who work in the industry. Why don't you turn that into a podcast? And so all of these little things just kept coming up um, for me to continue engage 
to continue to engage with women who were in golf, whether they currently played, they were intrigued by the sport. I have one friend that loves to use the term golf adjacent because Mm. she watches PGA tour and LPGA tour golf. She hangs out with me. She goes to the country club because she likes the pool, but she like doesn't play golf that much herself. She's probably Uh never played nine holes. Um, And, but she's golf adjacent. And so I was like, gosh, there's just gotta be more and more ways to engage women who are intrigued by golf and want to be introduced to it. And so um, once COVID started to subside in the late spring, um, I brought clinics back and and have hosted them ever since. Um, I've kept all of my clinics outside still. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I've just done other things along the way, like how we, you know, I wanted to engage women virtually. So we did some virtual clinics and I was shocked by that. Like we still had, we had 75 at one of our virtual clinics. Um, And so I just continued to realize like there are more and more ways to have touch points with women who are interested in golf. They may be a college golfer who plays leisurely now. Um, But, but my focus is mostly on women who are interested in golf, want to get into the sport and want to, you know, feel part of that community. How do we, as a golf industry and those of us that, that work in it, how do we encourage or invite those women or even identify to take that step from golf adjacent to the putting green or to the first tee? what what's that tone? What are some of the hurdles that are that are you know have existed that maybe we've just sort of been blind to or are not not looking into? Yeah, I mean, I think whether it's somebody who's new to golf or not, I think when you're looking at young professional women who are working, a simple one is certainly offering opportunities outside of work hours. Um, you know, I can't participate in the nine a.m. ladies league. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that unless I take PTO and I'm not going to do that once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking about the schedule that your customer lives on, um, creating your own women's events, like you don't need to have a for the ladies clinic just to, to host your own women's event. And so that's one thing I've really tried to impose on the facilities I partner with is like, hey, I've brought 45 women to your facility today. What are you going to offer them to keep them coming back? And to me, that is, um, you know, I partnered with the Golf Association of Philadelphia and Walnut Lane Golf Course, and they ended up creating, so we held two clinics because both clinics sold out. We had 90 women and it was like, what do we do with these 90 women now? And they created a four-week clinic series. And that series was much in in a more intimate setting, smaller group, but they each week went through a specific part of the game. So driving, short game, long irons. And then the last week they went out onto the golf course and played a scramble. But, and that was just something that we put together on a whim because we were like, oh my gosh, we have this whole group's attention. We need to be offering them something to keep them coming back. And and that's the biggest thing for me is, you know, for the ladies to me is to introduce new women to the game. And I'm going to do that through my introduction to golf clinics. But I also hope that it shows golf courses and golf facilities that when I work with them, like, look at this new group of people you have and how do you take advantage of that? Um, 
Some will do it by just passing out their business cards and say like, hey, if you want to do a group lesson with me with like three other friends, let's set it up. Other places like in Philadelphia, they they set up a whole new series and, and we made it special. We bought like head covers for everyone with the For the Ladies logo and, um, you know, it's tough. Like I can't do it alone. And so I, you know, I do kind of end up leaning on the golf facilities and, and golf organizations and say like, hey, like I can, tr- you know, I can try my best to get new people in the door. And then what are you going to do to help keep them in the game? I think that's what's really special about you and your passion and advocacy for the game is you had that with you before you went to the USGA and had wanted to find ways to bring people to the game and don't want to just in a transaction of women coming to a golf course, getting a drink, experiencing chipping and putting, and then going home and never coming back again. You've worked with the course to create that full circle experience that hopefully keeps them coming back. Yeah. It's tough. You like, you want to, it just like, it's, it's tough because sometimes you want, you want to like tell them what to do, but you're like, at the same time, you're like, I I get like, you're a small business too. And we want you to succeed and, and be able to create new opportunities for people to come back to your course. Another one I was thinking about was Goat Hill. They have their ladies union league. And, you know, just after our event at Coat Hill, just sent a simple like thank you email like we do for every event. But as part of that was like, hey, make sure you sign up for the Ladies Union League and get their newsletter so that you know what's going on at Coat Hill moving forward, especially for women. So that that's the biggest thing is like I fully understand that like I'm just kind of like popping in. But how can I connect mm-hmm. you with the right resources, the right groups, the right courses to stay engaged? Yeah. What are some of the outcomes that you've maybe heard from participants, from women who have come to your clinics, who have stayed with the game, you know, grown a deeper relationship with their spouse who maybe already played, something like that? What What are some outcomes you've heard? Yeah, I, you know, I've seen a few. Um, in Chicago, we held a really big clinic in December of t- 2019. And since then, I've seen a few women like get together to play, um, even like after the clinic, or I've seen women like, they're not taking lessons formally, but they're going to the driving range with their significant other, whereas before they would have not gone at all. Um, And so there's always like those little stories like that. Um, I always enjoy so we I also host these like golf getaways for women. And it's always fun to see somebody come through an intro to golf event. And then they ask me, like, can I come to this golf getaway, even if I'm not a quote unquote good golfer? And I'm like, well, we don't keep score and we're just playing golf. So like, doesn't really matter what your skill set is. So it's fun Mm -hmm. to have them then come to a golf, like a big golf getaway, because they're really taking the next step to stay with the sport and really investing in it by coming to like a weekend long event. So yeah, I've had... A few stories. I also think it's been really fun to see if I go to a city where there's like a women's golf group in the area. Um, In California, there's Babes Golf. In New York, there's Gruder Golf. In DC, there is Gals on the Green. And it's always fun to try to like send um, clinic participants to one of those groups because then they can like follow them on Instagram and like keep up with their events and Um, so that's been really fun. And then I guess the last story I would have is, 
Um, I've got this like women's golf directory that people can sign up for. It's called the For the Ladies Tea Sheet. Mm-hmm. And when you sign up, you can just, it's just a listing of women who have raised their hand to say that like, yes, reach out to me if you want to set up a foursome to go play. And in Austin, awesome. Texas, yeah, it's fine. In Austin, Texas, um, I've never held a For the Ladies clinic there. But like, there's now this like massive group that gets together and plays golf because they found each other on this directory. And so I just think there's like a lot of power in the sense of community um, especially with women's golf. And I think it's not just like, you don't even just have to play with women, play with any gender you want, but it's cool that it started there. Well, it's certainly that level of passion that you have that earned you the, the coverage in golf digest recently as <laughs> what did they dub you? The advocate? I think it was. I, I think so. Yeah. Usually I try to have I that it. material right with me. But what was that like uh, working through? I mean, I assume you knew that you were going to be included as part of that. And then to finally see that, what was, you know, what was that feeling like? Yeah. I mean, it was so cool to ran- be like randomly reached out to by Daniel Rappaport. Um, and it's one of those things, you know, print certainly like it just there's long timelines for that type of thing. So I, I think I spoke with him in the fall and then that recently mm-hmm. came out. So um, it's one of those things where like you have a conversation with someone, they, they follow up with a few questions and then it like leaves your mind. And then one day it was like, boom, here it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's I, it's so flattering. I mean, especially like growing up, seeing Golf Digest in your home or seeing Golf Digest um, at the, you know, I, I did grow up going to the country club. So I, I was the coolest thing. I mean, just to be able to open the magazine and, and see, see my face, <laughs> um, yeah. but also see like how far for the ladies has come, especially amid a pandemic. Um, and just to have so many people who are supportive, especially since it is an organization I run on my own, like I can't do it without, my friends and colleagues and support systems. So it was, it was very nice to be recognized for something like that. That's awesome. Um, Talk a little bit about, I don't have the article in front of me, but you wrote an article for, you know, we just talked about golf digest, one of the, you know, oldest and most, you know, kind of look to golf publications, but you wrote a piece for the golfers journal. uh, (sighs) Yes. Maybe that was early this year or late last year. And I, I think it was titled like things could get ugly or this could get ugly, something like that. Talk, just talk a little bit about that. You, you had mentioned the woman who was going on the golf getaway and was nervous about like not keeping score, not having a handicap, but just touch on some of the things that you mentioned in that article. I'm sorry. It's been a while since I, since I read it. It's been a few issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gosh, so I wrote that before my time at the USGA, actually, and then it uh-huh. came out like right when I had started. Um, but it was so nice. Travis uh, from the Golfers Journal reached out and was like, "Hey, like, I feel like you have a story to tell." And I was like, "Well, let me think about it. I don't know." <laughs> um, but so I am not a competitive golfer. I grew up playing golf, so I've just played all my life. Um, I played on, I played in the high school team, but like knew that was the extent of my competitive golf career. Uh, I just, it wasn't for me. I, I am competitive, like in the boardroom or competitive with myself, um, but not, not in a golf setting. So, mm-hmm. um, 
so I went away from the game for a little bit, especially when I was in school, did the AJGA internship. So I've always like stayed in touch with the game, but got really into it again um, once I was working at Titleist. And um, I would only play with certain people because I was so nervous about playing in front of like other friends or other people mm-hmm. who I've never played with before. And so the whole Golfer's Journal or journal article was all about how I let myself get so nervous before teeing off. I probably have a horrible shot off of one tee. But once I get into a groove, I'm like, this is fine. This is fun. Literally, no one cares. Like, no one yeah. cares about – they're so worried about their own game. They're not worried about mine. So the whole premise of the article was like, I let myself, there's this moment where I let myself like really build up so much anxiety before the first hole. And then at some point it releases and it's all worth it. But then at the same time, I probably go through the cycle once again. Um, And so I like, that's the thing is like, I totally get it. Like I get why golf is intimidating. Um, I'm certainly more comfortable because I've been around it for 30 years, but um I, I understand why people get nervous and why people resist playing um, because it's hard to just like put yourself out there. So that was what that whole yeah. article was about. Yeah. And, and to that point, and maybe that was where you then came up with the idea. I mean, it was sometime after, but as part of the, for the ladies podcast, you did a, a mini series called WTF is something. Yeah. And interviewed different people involved with the game to, you know, try to break down whether it was like breaking down a barrier or maybe even defining, you know, like what it what it means. Like, you know, WTF is golf course architecture. What is mm-hmm. um, golf um, slang? What is slang and fashion? And you don't realize it a lot of times until you know, you have a conversation like what you and I are having or what you're having with those experts, but is there's these things that make it intimidating. And it's like, you know, you're out playing a course and there's a time when you're like, should I, should I be experiencing this architecture? Like, how do I, how do I, or do I just hit the ball? Like, I don't, I don't know. And it's, it's just all so odd and it can be a, it can be a flood of sort of feelings that kind of take away from the pleasure of walking and fellowship and exercise and outdoors and all of those things. Yeah. How did, um... how did some of those things like come up and you know, what, what led you to that, to that series, if you will? Yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, I think it was more of, I think about the questions I get asked. Um, mm-hmm. And some of those questions are just like simple golf course etiquette. Um, at one of, at my Jacksonville clinic, uh, the first one we held, we had women play a hole. And it was like, simply like, how, where do I go when I get to the first tee? Where do I put my bag down? Who tee, like who tees off first? Who, who hits next? Um, and so I was like, in my mind, I was like, gosh, like there should just be res- like a resource. Uh, because again, like there are great resources for kids. And then there isn't as much for new adults 
to the sport. Um, and so I was like, there, there's got to be a way to make this conversation approachable and easy and fun and realistic. And so that's when I was like, it's time. It's time to do a Golf 101 podcast. So um, I've covered what is golf slaying with Roger Steele, which was a blast because he's such mm-hmm. a great personality. Um, Andy Johnson, just like such an expert in golf course architecture. And, you know, he could, he kept it fun, which is what, which is what I needed. I didn't want like a watered down version um, of golf course architecture. And then fashion with Bailey Chambly. She is incredibly fashionable. So it was a perfect fit. Um, I've done like, just like golf course etiquette. We did that with Gabby Weiss of Pinehurst. And then one that I'm recording soon is, um, actually what is a golf handicap? Cause I think like, mm-hmm. if you're going to continue to play the game, you know, you should consider probably getting a handicap. I think, you know, it opens a lot of doors to, to play in other things. Even if you just play yeah. in like events with your company, still they're still probably going to ask like what do you typically shoot or what's your handicap so um just kind of like demystifying golf um there's so many things that are second nature to me but i i there when i watch tennis i don't understand all the lingo Mm -hmm. i don't know what the lines are and so if somebody were to create that for me i would probably um, engage with it and so i'm trying to create a version of that for golf yeah, that's great. There's because there's so many of us who have been in the game for our lifetime in one way or another. And we're like, yeah, just just come out. And we sort of don't realize the in a way the, the burden that that can put on someone in terms of how do I get prepared and how do I how am I prepared enough to have not not just myself a good experience, but to show my host that I take this seriously and that I can have a good experience. Um Abby, thank you so much for all that you do in the game. And thank you for taking the time to share your story with our listeners. Um, You know, like I said, I've been following you for a while and it's been exciting to see your journey, not just with For the Ladies, but now with the USGA. And it's, it's great to work with you and great to share your story as well. Thanks. I was going to let you know when I'm coming to Virginia. Yes, please Um, plug that. Yes. I'm like, wait, I'm coming to Virginia in 2022. (laughs) So we will be at Belmont, um, which was like the recently renovated, redesigned course. It looks amazing. And the first tee is very involved there. Um, And it is April 23rd. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I'm excited to bring a For the Ladies Clinic to Virginia. And uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, what I keep saying is I'm going to continue to do this as long as I can. Um, I'm always looking for people to get involved, but um, for now it's been, it's been great. So thank you for letting me share it. Oh, well, thank you. We're excited to have you come to Virginia and we'll make sure that we do our part to plug that as well. But I know the first T will do a great job getting that word out. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Golf in the Commonwealth and big thanks to Abby Liebenthal. Check out the For the Ladies podcast and social channels and please subscribe to Golf in the Commonwealth wherever you're listening and we'll see you in the fairway soon.